This just in, breaking news is breaking out everywhere. Breaking news, though. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. We interrupt this program. This is a national emergency. Important instructions will follow. Manhunt by Gretchen Felker Martin. Carmen Maria Machado says it's a modern horror masterpiece. Timely and necessary. This is extreme horror that says something. Listen to it, says Gabino Iglesias. Manhunt by Gretchen Felker Martin. Out February 22nd, 2022. Manhunt. 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 The story of a boy who dreamed of becoming a man, but dreamed up a monster instead. It has hunted you since the summer of 1994, back when we confessed who we were through mixtapes. When every movie at the video store had dirty heads. You were 13 and thought you knew who you were. Only the shadow with too many teeth knew you better. It still does. And it won't stop. Not until you come home. Back to where it all began. Part cosmic horror, part coming of age story. Dirty Heads is a terrifying read from the author of House of Size, The Fallen Boys, and A Place for Sinners. Out now. Creepy Crate is a horror and true crime subscription box filled with spooky collectibles, macabre accessories, and terrifying goodies. Each bi-monthly box is filled with over $85 worth of terror and includes at least one horror or true crime book delivers dread to your doorstep for just $39.99 with free shipping. Be on the lookout. The next box will have our dead headspace bookmarks in them. For more information, for those interested in checking this out, all you have to do is go to creepycrate.store. And just for our listeners, we have a limited time discount code. So all you got to do is type in dead five D E A D and the number five, no spaces that will net you $5 off your box. Creepy crate home to the horror and true crime subscription box. Welcome to Dead Headspace, part of Silver Shamrock's Horrorcast, a podcast network that includes Killing Time with Silver Shamrock and Unburying the Dead, where we exhume classic horror paperbacks for the new generation. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And we are joined by returning guest host, Erica Robbins. Say hi, Erica. Hello. And today we are talking about the best of season two. Uh, this is a great episode for those that may not have seen all of them. And uh, we'll point out a few that we liked. So, Brennan, I want to throw it over to you. How about you decide where we start? Well, last year we started with what the show means to us. And if I'm honest, 
I really think that uh, I would be repeating a lot of the same points. So I think we can probably skip that aspect of it. Um, you know, it's it, it was a great season too. It really was. It was bigger than season one um, in almost every conceivable way because, uh, you know, we did a full year as opposed to starting in uh, April or or you know, May or whatever, whenever we started in 2020. Um, and, you know, some of the guests, I mean, uh, looking at, at Chuck Palahniuk, uh, Peter Straub, I mean, were people that I don't think we even dreamed of having on, you know, uh, when we first started this thing. Nope. But at the same time, it's a way to, you know, learn a little bit about writing. I, you know, I, I got a chance to go on some other podcasts this year and talk about my own writing and the the idea kept coming up that I don't know that I would have been able to get to the point I am currently at as quickly as neatly as nicely uh without all the wonderful information gleaned from from guests that we've had on from the you know ridiculously talented minds we've been able to pick so, I mean, that remains, you know, the reason we do this show is to talk to people who really know their shit and uh, be able to find a nice balance between uh, pulling stories out of them and just straight up fanboying over them. Um, so, I mean, I'll throw it to you two. If you have anything to add, you know, overall thoughts about the uh, the last season, uh, Erica, throw it to you first. Yeah, I just, I couldn't believe the lineup you guys had either. <laughs> like every time you messaged me the list to be like, oh, do you want to jump on? And okay. if my schedule worked, I could, that was awesome. Um, but like, yeah, the, the announcements, I was just in shock and I would run to my husband and be like, oh my God, look at this list. And just be like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know any of those names. Um, like but, <laughs> yeah, <Yep>. yeah. <laughs> he tried. I mean, Chuck Palahniuk, he, he understood. Um but for the most part, yeah, just so cool. Like I get so excited for you guys and talking about fanboying and fangirling. Like yeah. I still think you guys are like celebrities in my no. eyes, just like doing the <laughs> Hey, you're getting there. You're getting there. Um, but yeah, just congratulations to both of you. This is oh awesome. Yeah. Um, me, it's fun as hell. And yeah, I didn't think we'd get Chuck Polnick, which again, have to thank our friend Tyler Jones um, <clears throat> for that introduction. Uh, there's a lot of names that we're hoping to get. We're not going to announce them right now or until they actually happen because <laughs> shit happens where I guess something might come up and it doesn't work out. So no announcements right now, but it is a very promising year to, I guess for lack of a better word, top the last season. That's our goal to always get better each year. Um, ultimately to be as entertaining and uh and uh who's ronald kelly put it best that we are documenting this era of the horror genre and adjacent genres so hope we're doing a good job with that um did you guys i would throw out there that as far as chronicling you know horror starting season two with brian Keane and ending it with john skip goes yeah. goes a long way towards making that claim <laughs> Yeah, that very thankful for those two guys for um, jumping on. Keen is there, a lot of our guests are super busy, but Keen seems like he's like taking on the the amount of two people worth of work. 
So I'm, I'm really thankful that he came on. Um, did you guys want to kind of just like jump into our favorite, our, our list of 10, the last 10 books that we liked of 2021, or maybe play some clips that you guys picked out for um, last year? What would you guys prefer? Erica, do you have a preference? I don't. I'm good either In way. In that case, I, I say we go the classic route and uh, we do the clips first and we end up talking about all our, our favorite 2021 stuff. Okay. So the first clip is one that Erica picked out. It is uh, episode 64 with Alan Baxter. Uh, it, Erica, um, do you want to just tell us before we play why you chose this one? Sure. I, I say this all the time, but like the show just makes me laugh so much while I'm listening. And it's to the point where like, I cannot listen to the show while I'm at work. Cause I know I'm going to laugh at my cube and the people surrounding me are going to be like, what is she doing? So this was just one of those moments where it was such a simple, like organic answer to Brennan's question. I laughed so hard. I started like choking on my own spit. Cause I would laugh so loud. So <laughs> again, it's, it's very short. Um, I thought, Brennan's question was super interesting to begin with. So the answer is also very cool, but just Alan's initial reaction was just brilliant. Actually, I kind of want to follow that question up. I, I had a, I had a similar question. I was, you know, cause, cause like Patrick said, the descriptions of like the individual portions of the songs were um, here's the musician and me coming out again. Um, oh. I, I thought they were really, really well done and very detailed. So let's say that you have to build your own like ultimate blind eye moon. You can put two guitars, a bassist, a drummer, and a vocalist in there from like your, your, your favorite bands. Who are you choosing to front your band from hell? Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> I would have trouble choosing this partly because uh, I'm really bad at knowing uh, mus- musicians' names, band members' names. I'm really bad at, and I'm really bad at remembering like song titles. <laughs> It just makes me laugh so much. You're just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, you know, I, I will tell you that, you know, having, having been on the, the other side of it this year, um, when we had Michael David Wilson on, he would talk about how a lot of times he'll say, well, no, that's an interesting question to buy himself some time so he can think about it. But I think I think the immediate answer that comes to mind whenever somebody asks you a question like that is just that, oh shit, you know, I didn't, I wasn't ready for that one. Um, I, so I, I agree with you. I think it's just such a nice little honest answer. <laughs> the next one is, I forget the, the episode, but it's our second annual Halloween episode where we had Janine. Uh, it's a very beginning of the intro. And we had a surprise guest, Hunter Shea, who all of us love, but especially Janine. Uh, so, again, this is uh, another clip that Erica picked up. And today we are joined by uh, guest host Erica Robin. Say hi, Erica. Hello. And also, I just want to say hello to our surprise guest host, Hunter Shea. Hi, sir. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> What's up, people? Hunter is even funnier in person. A Metterman scares him and Jack. Uh, uh, was it Jack? Campisi. Campisi. Mm-hmm. Those guys are so very chill, very relaxing, just laid back. Literally doesn't give. I'll put it this way. Uh, 
Hunter said to us, and I think I said in that episode that he doesn't give a shit what his wife and his daughter thinks. He's not going to give a shit what a bunch of strangers. <laughs> and he followed that up with, I can't be canceled. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's funny as hell. Uh, Erica, why that one? Uh, well, looking at all three that I just sent you, I guess I was really interested in the way people react and the way they react, honestly, like Janine's laugh when he popped in. I was just like, oh, yay, this is such a good idea. <laughs> so that was that was it. Just Janine's adorable laugh and excitement about that <laughs> surprise. That's why I used it for the trailer, because she's it's just like, you know, the people that don't like horror you know you see this and it's just a bunch of people that for the most part like to have fun have a good time yeah yeah you know and i and i'd throw out as far as that goes you know we were planning that episode for a little while you know uh erica having you on there was a no-brainer and you know trying to find the perfect halloween guest and janine kind of came on both our radars just because she's such a genuinely wonderful person um, and we wanted to almost take that Halloween episode, you know, almost as just a celebration of the way she cheerleads everybody. And, um, you know, to, to build up Pat a little bit, I, he, he went out, you know, totally on his own and just almost collected blurbs for Janine pipe, just talked to all these people said, Hey, we're going to have her on feature her for like this, uh, big God, Halloween episode. <laughs> And, you know, got just these these people that are very important to her to, you know, write up these very nice things, very genuine things. Because if there's somebody in this genre, you know, uh, who deserves it, like, that's who it is. You know, when when she comes out, you know, a couple of weeks ago and says she's writing a book uh, and she gets to interview all these, like, actors, all the, this director big name director and write a behind the scenes book on one of her favorite movies of all time. Like, how can you think anything, but she deserves it. Glad, you know, couldn't happen to a better person. So I, I thought that, you know, bringing Hunter on to surprise her was just the icing on the cake of, you know, just celebrating a wonderful person that, you know, we can all get behind. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and before we go into Brennan's clips, I'm going to pick one more. Uh, Erica said pretty much anywhere in this one. It's best of, uh, I mean, sorry, accepting rejection. It's a round table with Gabino Iglesias, Joe Lansdale, Cena Palayo, and S.D. Cosby. You know, it's funny. I have the opportunity, we were talking about rejection, to confront the person who most recently rejected me tonight. Because Gabino rejected my Christmas horror story. <laughs> Talk about something that I think is important when we're talking about rejection is at a certain point, you got to stop taking it personally, unless somebody says something personal to you. You know, and, and he sent me, he was he sent me like a message. It was like, hey, man, I like this story. It doesn't fit for what we're trying to do with the Hallmark Hall Dark uh, collection. And, you know, if this was 20 years ago, I'm like, well, fuck that dude. And it's like, <laughs> and, you know, it's like, okay, I understand. It's a, it's, you know, it's not personal. It's business. It's a decision. Doesn't mean the story's bad. Doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Cause I used to feel like that. I felt like people were insulting me when they didn't take my story. 
And like I said before, I'm a country boy. So it's like, you know, watch, watch, what, keep my name out your mouth if you're going to say that. And so it's like, <laughs> I used to feel that way. But now, as I'm a little bit older, a little more mature, I can talk to Gabino. You don't like the story or you, it doesn't work. That's fine. We're still somewhat friendly. So <laughs> Sean and Joe are very similar. Uh, they can talk a mile a minute and you better listen because they're saying a lot of insightful things. What did you guys think of that clip? That was a good one. When you first started playing it, I was like, oh, because I thought you were going to pick the one that I almost sent to you closer to the beginning. It was Sean just like talking about a rejection and it was like a nasty rejection he ended up getting. And he tried to track someone down after he got his first publication and wanted to be like, ha ha, but then found out that that person was dead. I, I believe I could be misremembering, but I just think that entire episode is so important for authors to bookmark because I know I personally struggle. I, I'm not a writer yet. Hopefully someday, maybe. Um, but like just general constructive criticism, I can also have trouble with like at work and things like that. So I can't imagine like putting yourselves out there pretty much consistently with your work and then having to deal with this. So I think you guys all just talked about obviously handling rejection, but there's a lot of really good tips in there. So if anyone listening to this is like feeling down about themselves after a recent rejection, highly recommend going back to that episode and just listening through. It's really, really, a really good one. Before Brennan jumps in, um, Joe Orlansdale, for those that don't know, he, if you have seen or read it, he's probably written most, you know, most of those things. All kidding aside though, I mean, this is a guy that's written episodes for the Batman animated series in the nineties, all the way to, you know, movies that Bruce Campbell's in to um, a shitload of books since the eighties. I mean, I don't know how many he's up to, but that guy is neck and neck with, with Stephen King. And um, on top of that, uh, Erica, you were saying how you want to write. You should, that'd be awesome. We'll see. I got to get the, the courage <laughs> up <laughs> eventually. <laughs> Just dive in. That's that's the only way to go. Um, so I, I mean, that's I love that panel. You know, I I it, I love the fact that it spawned from just a random Twitter discussion between all those people, like right. all all star lineup with everybody having such great things to contribute. And um, I, I feel like you know, I I don't have our numbers off the top of our head. I don't know how if that's one of our, uh, you know, most listened to episodes, but it, it, it's definitely one of the episodes that I see people talk about the most as having been helpful. Um, and you can, you can see why, you know, like the, the people on that just like drip honesty and it's done in such a way that it's encouraging to people who are new to it. And, you know, just really gives them a lot of insight into what they can expect and how people who really know what they're doing, you know, have dealt with it in their own careers. Yeah. And so like I said, you never know who's going to listen and when they will. Um, because, yeah, we're marking, we're, we're chronicling artists that we can, the creators that we can right now. But who's to say that we're not going to be having someone listen right now? And in the future, they're like, Someone that we want to have on and kind of create that full circle. Um, there's so many examples of authors that are big now that 
were, it's weird to say it like this, but were just like you and me, meaning they weren't known at all. Like Malaman, he was so poor that he had to scrounge for, uh, was it, um, what's that called? Where you recycle cans? Recycling? No, not recycling, but you get the money back. Recycling? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I know, I, I know what you're talking about, but yeah. Now look at him. He's a yep. deal. Um, so the next clip is going to be one that Brent picked. It is uh, <clears throat> his episode. I'll let it speak for itself. Ken, go ahead. You were talking. Um, yeah, so there's another short story that he hasn't mentioned that it's uh, called I Will Meet You There. Are you familiar with this one? Am I familiar with it? Yes, I wrote it. Do you recall this one? Yeah, I okay. do. Well, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but that was just accepted two seconds ago to uh, Midnight from Beyond the Stars. You motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, what, <laughs> it's funny because I mentioned earlier that, you know, one of the reasons season two was bigger because we had, you know, so many more episodes. So, you know, picking just a couple moments that, you know, we wanted to go back and revisit, like that was a next to impossible task. But my, my thought was, I'm like, I want one that, you know, is memorable, like really hit me. And I want one that, you know, just made me laugh. Um, Cause that's why I come here to laugh. Um, and this was, you know, that this is something that's, uh, arrogant as it might be putting my own episode in there uh that that's a moment that's gonna stick with me you know that was that was really cool and i just it, it hit me out of left field and i i always love going back and just remembering that you know for my reaction being you know somebody handing me good news and me calling them a motherfucker right off the bat <laughs> um but that you know that that was so cool to see my story wind up in this you know absolute fucking monster of an anthology like um from the moment i read uh midnight in the graveyard like that was just it's one of those anthologies that you're like if i'm gonna write something like that's where I want to see my short fiction end up in, you know, a renowned, you know, well uh, received anthology like that. So they, yeah, that, that moment was a no brainer, I think. Yeah. Eric, you got anything to add to that? Just, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but again, the honest reaction, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I love it so much. And when you started playing that clip, I remembered exactly what Brennan responded with. And I started laughing because <laughs> I knew it was coming and it's just, it's great every time. And that was another moment, again, talking about you guys being like celebrities in my eye. When I was listening to that episode, I like stood there and I was just like, Yes. <laughs> I got super pumped and I was just like, I have nobody to share this with other than you guys. And you were on the episode. So you already know. And I was just like, well, okay, <laughs> but super cool. That was a really cool part to just drop into the episode. I love that he saved it for that. <laughs> Neither one of us knew. Um, Cause Ken, I don't know if he does it on purpose or not, but sure. Does. Seems like it. Yeah. It fucking does. He, uh, he won't tell us things for a long period of time. Um, yeah, so I guess that was why. The next one, another clip from Brennan, is Jeremy Robert Johnson. Sexual stuff was very taboo in my family in the 80s. Like, I was allowed to watch horror movies, but if they had nudity scenes in them, my mom would tape over them. So, like, I had a VHS dub of Nightmare on Elm Street 3, 
and there's a scene where the nurse after um the nurse is trying to seduce joey in the mental hospital right yeah, she removes her top yeah well freddie killing joey was okay but that woman's breasts were taboo and so my mom actually taped a portion of another tv show over that scene with the breasts and so for just briefly she was like oh don't you don't you like me joey and she starts to open her shirt and it would cut to ronald reagan's state of the world address which was even more disturbing and it would be reagan for like two minutes and then it would cut back to joey strapped to the bed by four tongues and i was like i don't know what's happening here with that whatever that's it's far more disturbing this way did you start um, to get confused as to why you're getting turned on by Ron Reagan? Right, Ronald exactly. Reagan's wrinkly old face. It created a lot of sublimated issues. Yeah, it probably wasn't probably wasn't great for me. <laughs> that's not, that's not any less funny than it was. And you know, you you can you listen carefully to that clip. You can hear me like giggling like a maniac in the background. And you know, I remember that con- that that portion of conversation continued and like. Five minutes later, I think you threw it to me and I said, I'm still thinking about the Reagan thing. (laughs) Uh, For whatever reason, that just struck me as absolutely hilarious. Um, But it's it's funny, too, because it also like taps into that very American idea of, you know, violence being okay, But, you know, sex is completely off limits. Like you can watch. Freddy Krueger, you know, whip his claws out and completely decimate somebody, but God forbid you see a booby. Um, it's just, it's it, it's a very weird thing. Um, and I have to imagine that, you know, some portion of Jeremy Robert Johnson's very, you know, uh, his, his writing, which it, it, it always goes kind of above and beyond the line, those type of things impact you. I have to, I have a feeling that was, you know, part of his journey. All right. So now we're going to play a pick two clips. Um, the first one was Catriona Ward. Not sure what episode that is, but uh, she has written the last house of needless street. And then 2022, her next novel comes out sundial. Um, needless street is one of my favorites of last year. Um, and yeah, I'll just let this speak for itself. How's it feel to have Stephen King blurb your book? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to swear, but like, imagine me doing a long string of stuff. If you want, I just, I just, I think I just shouted the program an hour after it happened. So he took. He, I also, I wake up in the night sometimes thinking about it. And I'm like, did that actually happen? Because it happened during the lockdown over here. And, you know, there was no kind of exterior confirmation. So there was a good chance, I thought, that maybe I just made it up, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> we weren't seeing anyone or talking to anyone. And it just, I just wondered if perhaps maybe it was um, not true. But it, it was, thankfully. Um, yeah, I couldn't. It, so he tweeted about it. And. I've never met Stephen King. I don't know Stephen King. I don't even know. I, I almost don't want to because I just feel I, I don't know what I'd say to Stephen King. Anyway, um, I, I we got the tweet. Got the tweet. You can see I'm already so excited. I got yeah. the tweet. I couldn't read it because I was so uh, nervous. Is the probably the the mildest word to put on this feeling. So That's I handed unfair. it to my handed it to my boyfriend. I was like, "Can you just read it for me?" <laughs> <laughs> and tell me if it's okay. <laughs> like a bit like opening your exam results, you know. Yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't. Um, and he just looked at it. He was like, 
yep, think you're going to be happy with this. Yep. <laughs> He's like the master of the understatement. But, um, I mean, I grew up reading Stephen King. I, as I, as we we, we we were talking um, up at the top of the show about this, you know, I, 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 they, his work and his imaginative universe was very much part of, kind of part of, part of, a part of, part of me personally, and very much how I, you know, formed me as a writer. So, it, as I said, I still wake up in the night wondering if it actually happened. What are you guys' thoughts? I haven't heard that before because I wasn't on that episode, but you know, I think that is extremely relatable. (laughs) What about you, Erica? Again, the broken record. I'm going to say her reaction was adorable. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That was a good clip. Good pick. She's an excellent writer. Um, Christopher Golden referred to her as the Shirley Jackson of the modern age. I'm not smart enough to verify if that's true or not, but she's a really good writer. The, uh, there's so many, op- like the whole, po- the next one's Peter Straub. I had to pick this one because he is one of the favorite writers and I, I can't believe he is on, that uh, was on the show. So um, I just picked a 24 second clip. Um, pair as well with the one you just heard. Ghost story was the was what what was the result of that, and um, I'm very grateful to Steve. I guess I sometimes forget to be grateful to Steve for that, but 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 but, but I must be because uh, I, I would never have written Ghost Story had I not read Stephen King's work previously. I don't really have much to add to that besides uh, if you are unfamiliar, haven't read Peter's work before. Strongly recommend doing that. One of the most unique and talented writers of the 20th century. Um, do you, either of you have anything to add to that? Um, and when we're done talking about this stuff, let's jump into the top 10 books of 2021. I, I would just add that, you know, I considered picking a Straub clip, but I kind of trusted you to do it. You know, I know you, you know, he was somebody we were both very interested in getting on and in catching up to prepare for his episode. You just, you know, fell in love with his work. And it just it seemed like leaving it to you. You know, it was your place <laughs> to kind of choose uh, a clip. And, you know, I'm so happy that you found an author whose work speaks to you, not just on a, uh, the level of a reader, but that it's, you know, really changed the way you approach your writing as well. You know, it's, it, it was so cool to see that development over a period of like, you know, say eight months. I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah, man. Th- thank you. Yeah. He is, um, I kind of want to have even an ounce of his talent. I mean, he's a poet that writes, I saw today someone was posting a fellow writer saying how um, obviously not all horror stories, but that horror books don't have room to breathe anymore. And it goes back to, you know, I think uh, it's a social thing. Uh, Everything's instant communication, instant results kind of takes away, you know, patience and time to appreciate things more. Um, I would rather write a book like Coco than write, uh, I'm not even going to throw in another book cause it would come off wrong, but rather write a long 
book like that that's full of all this uh, detail and complexity than a novella that moves super quick. If I were to pick Rude. one or the other, yeah, you know, yours wasn't. I don't think yours moved quick. No, you're just you're just gonna dig yourself in. So, and then I'll become a ghost, and you can write about <laughs> me. Okay, if you insist. Slidery Falls. So uh, if we're going to move to top 10 books, um, I'd love to kick us off if you guys are okay with that. All right. And the reason I, I, I want to kick us off is because the, the first one I'm going to throw out, I am 100% positive that it's showing up on Patrick's list. I know it's showing up on my list, and I'm fairly positive that it's showing up on Erica's list as well. Uh, so I want to throw out things have gotten worse since we last spoke as a triple you know triple pick from all three of us erica is that fair to say that that would have shown up on yours yeah absolutely i actually so i have my numbers one through ten but then i have like ten others on here that i specifically mm-hmm. didn't put in one through ten because i knew you guys were going to pick them and that is one of them so i'm just going to mark i it did off my the same thing <laughs> extras because i knew we'd have overlap uh so patrick i'm throwing it to you uh t- tell us no I, I i don't know if you guys are going this direction i did not number them i did this silly thing last year where i picked my 64 favorite books and made them face off against each other until i was down to one <laughs> and i'm still stressed out about that a year later so this year i just made a list of like i really liked these 14 let's leave it at that they're not numbered or anything uh so patrick let's let's throw to you first you know why is that book on your list um well first off for audio listeners of holding up the book the cover alone um the whole don't judge a book by its cover is kind of bullshit because with books especially there are exceptions to every rule but i feel like and it's not a knock on the writer per se, but if you're going to come out with a book and say, this is worth your time to read the pages between the cover and the back page, you know, um, it's kind of going to be your preview. And that cover is one of, I will probably say this forever. It's one of the greatest covers ever for an album, a book, a movie, whatever. Um, I picked it because I'm fascinated with technology and how humans abuse it. And this is on the precipice of when social media was in its infancy. It's on the precipice of when humans, our species for the first time ever is really experiencing this way to talk to strangers without ever seeing them in person it's a very it's the wild west in a digital realm it really is there think about it you're at a time when and maybe i'm wrong but i don't even know if if they were i don't even know how efficient the fbi was at that time controlling everything because it's so new and you got this story of these two women um who two lesbians which it's important to say that because it's um off the bat talks about the meeting in a a lgbtq chat room and i'm trying to not spoil it basically it's just a story that seems normal but the cover tells you think twice and you read and 
it's Clive. It's like a reimagining of a Clive Barker story that never existed. I'll leave it at that. So, Erica, I'm throwing the same book to you if you have a few thoughts you want to share on it. Yeah. So, a couple things. I mean, I met my best girlfriend in a chat room on AOL, and we didn't meet in person until my wedding. Like, oh God three, four years ago. I don't know. I don't know how long I've been married. Um, so just reading something set like that, like right away, I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. I met somebody this way too. And I've talked to her my entire life. Like I didn't know if she was real or not and who knows what could have happened. Um, but then also just every time I see this book, this like nasty, like gremlin type voice comes in the back of my head that just says, what have you done to de- today to deserve your eyes? And I'm just like, man, that line I will forever just be stuck in my head. I, <laughs> it's so simple, but yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah, it's iconic. And, you know, I'm so pleased for Eric that that book is now out of print alongside his uh, uh, Off Limits collection uh, because it's going to be republished by a major publisher in 2023. But it's I, I almost find myself thinking of Patrick's comments about the cover, like, will it be the same without that cover? Um, you know, that's it just represents the story so well. Um, they just pair together like uh chocolate and a fine wine or two other things that probably pair together. I don't know. Uh peanut butter and ladies. Um <laughs> real quick is uh, I think it's this is worth interrupting. I tech I, I just sent a screenshot to Eric and he said that uh Please tell Erica and Brendan, I said, hello, I miss some sad crying emoji face. So do you have anything to say to him? <laughs> we love we, his we, book. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, love, we love Eric and we love, we love their books. Um, it, you know, the sky is the limit. There, <laughs> it's just ridiculous the amount of work Eric has coming out. And you just know it's all going to be the highest caliber. Um, I can't wait to see what the future has in store. Yeah, he's, I know we're going to get into it later. He's, he's got a book coming out this year and I got to beta read it again. And holy cow, you guys are in for a treat. If you haven't read that yet. (laughs) I'm finished. Is that the, um, we can can never leave this place. Yeah. Yep. I'm finishing up Bob Ford's burner. Uh, I bought the ebook too. And I got the paperback as well, but uh, Eric's book is that's the next one on my ebook TBR list. I can't wait. That guy, oh my god, his uh, all right, this ain't in my top ten, but I mean it ain't far from it. Fuck it. While we're talking about Eric, audio listeners, I'm holding up his collection that came out this year, not last year. The strange thing we become in other dark tales. I mean, this thing is just. I got, I got no words. I kind of get chills when I talk about Eric's work. He's so good. He's so fucking good. <laughs> All right. Let's All talk right. about other authors. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, Eric LaRocca Appreciation uh, Podcast. <laughs> Erica, why don't you throw one out? Oh, sorry. I had myself muted and I was crossing off strange, the strange things. So we become on my spreadsheet as well. Um, so professional. So I... <laughs> I have to organize myself. Otherwise I get super confused. Um, But if you guys don't mind me potentially embarrassing Brennan, first up on my list is Slattery Falls. (laughs) Let Pat pull it out. I've also got it on my shelf right over my shoulder. (laughs) We're going to invite you back, even if you don't kiss up. (laughs) So 
mean, I'll get into my comments in a minute, but like I super nerded out over my copy of this book that you sent me. You guys can't really see it, but the frame on this shelf right here is actually a picture of the front cup, not the front cover, whatever that page is called, like in the first part of the book where Brennan signed it and wrote me a little note. I wanted that on display all the time. So it's Aww. right there. Pat, I've got one for you, but it's on the bottom shelf. So you can't see it. I got to move that up next time. Oh, wait, uh, I sent you a book, didn't I? Yep. Dark oh, word. Sure. Bottom shelf. <laughs> yep. Yes, I made it. It's working its way up. I just got to read it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Slattery Falls, like, seriously i know we're all friends but i read that book and when i finished it i immediately wanted to start it over again and that very rarely happens to me usually i'm like okay next book cool even if i super loved it um but i just like i wasn't ready to leave those characters behind yet so when you told us that they were going to come back again i was just like yay um but obviously this is a ghost story it's really eerie it's tension filled there were some scenes where like i definitely forgot to breathe while i was reading and I love when that happens in horror, but Brendan, you've got such a good way of just like dialing up the creepiness factor. And then sometimes it goes there, it gets really creepy and really scary, or sometimes you crack a joke and then everything like dissolves. So I'm just like, oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> so I just, I love that you have the a way of writing where you can do both of those things at once and like keep the story going and don't, you don't take readers out of it. Cause I've seen some horror stories where people throw in comedy for the sake of kind of breaking the tension and doesn't really work yours works every time so again everybody if you haven't read that go pick it up it's amazing well i certainly hope i don't let you down with the next one (laughs) you haven't yet i started reading it finally yeah i picked that too for a lot of reasons and i don't really give a fuck if i sound biased because uh because you are (laughs) i I mean i am you are brennan's one of my best friends but if the story sucked, I want to bring it up. It's a really good story. It, you know what's fun is when, like, all right, this is the opposite of what I'm about to say, but with stories, like, if we're talking about zombie stories and you hear the characters in it talk about zombies like they don't know they exist, it's it's so annoying because it's one of those things where everyone knows about them, and that's the same thing for ghosts, and that's the same thing for Ghost uh, detectives or investigators or a lot of those dorks with stupid gadgets from Q007 that they don't really work. Um, Brennan just glosses over them. Gabino Iglesias pointed that out, and it's it's true. And uh, seeing Brennan's development, I've read more of his stuff than any other author the last two, three years. Um, This is his first piece of writing, and I'm like, oh. That's incredible. Um, so it's all those together. It's a story that you can connect with. And I don't know. It's just he he has some wild imagery in there, too. That's why I picked it. I'll go. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, before we we let you pick, uh, you know, a new one, I, I will say that, you know, there are some imagery and there's some sensory detail uh, in that book that would not be as strong without, you know, some of Patrick's first reader notes. So, you know, let's, let's throw that out on the table. Of course. <laughs> that was fun. I, my last note, it was incredibly long and, uh, <laughs> I just loved it. Um, this, this book made me realize I got to be picky with who I, uh, read for, cause I don't want to read shitty books. <laughs> um, Why would you? 
There's so many good ones. People get stuck in the fact that you might be friends with a writer. And this could apply with me too. Um, um, and they're just being nice because they're friends. But this was actually a really good book. Um, my next book, the book that I'm going to pick first. While you retrieve it, you know, thank thank you to both of you. I really appreciate the kind words, yeah. always. So, audio listeners, I'm going to keep saying that every time I hold something up. Uh, I am holding up Ronald Kelly's Fear. Um, Ronald Kelly is, in my opinion, very grossly underrated. Um, he has been writing since the 80s. He's appeared back then uh, in magazines and anthologies with some of the biggest names in in the genre in the industry and fear is a book where it's basically the wizard of oz meets somehow a, a more fucked up version um it's like the wizard of oz on crack and it, it's just it's got all these niches uh, niche niches how do you say the word niche it's got a, i've heard it both ways all right it's got all these niches of uh it sounds weird a lot of different aspects of course. <laughs> a lot of different subgenres of horror are in this book. It's like if you like horror, you'll like this because he does a lot of neat things with it. For example, and Kevin Witten pointed this out. Some people might know him as well, Beard, where the there's this group walking through the main character and his group, like Dorothy and her group, are they're walking through this junkyard, and you just hear the these uh you get kind of a sensory overload with the sound of cars and their last minutes before they died and it's given life to uh, uh non-existent things and it's just a really imaginative and uh fun way to to kind of look at life um brandon why don't you i know you got some words about this book so why don't you take over this is another one that made my list and I knew it was going to be on yours. So I added some extra stuff for it. And, you know, I can boil it down to, I love Ron Kelly, the author. I love Ron Kelly, the person. Um, and this is, you know, the first thing I read by him was uh, the essential six stuff. And I dug that collection. I'm so happy it won a splatterpunk, but fear is really what, drew me into his writing and you know i i I don't want to necessarily compare him to his writing to stephen king but there is no author whose work has you know sucked me in as completely as ronald kelly's and fear is the book to do that we I, i can't even count how many episodes we have encouraged people to read fear whether it was entire episodes devoted to it or just offhand comments but read fear people. I mean, it's just, it's, it's an all time great. It's a uh, 94, 96. Am I, am I uh, right around the mark? Totally. It's, it's mid nineties, you know, zebra publishing. And, you know, we made a habit of saying, you know, we're not going to stick to just 2021 releases when we, when we do this episode, because there are some that we're discovering for the first time and damn it. We want to talk about them. Uh, fear is one of those, you know, read Ronald Kelly 94. Yeah. Um, definitely read him. I remember it scares. I care. If you don't know what scares, I care is it's fun. It is a, uh, it's not a convention. It's a charity event. Uh, it, it's a convention in my eyes, but it's focused 
I guess the main difference is it's a nonprofit organization where 100% of the proceeds go to three different uh, scenarios. 10 grand goes to a burn victim. 10 grand goes to, uh, I believe, a woman that has breast cancer. And uh, there's another one for some type of survivor. I forget which that was. But anyways, um, Ron and a few other authors were at a panel and uh, at the end of it, he asked Ron about fear to tell us about it. And he's like, oh, that got some people to buy it afterwards. <laughs> That's all we want. That's all we want is people to buy that book. If you read anything by that man, buy fear. It, it will it will turn you into a Ronald Kelly fan. Erica, do you have anything to add? Unfortunately, I am one of those people that haven't read fear yet. Um, but I did just look over my total list of like my favorite books of the year and Ronald Kelly's on there three times. So <laughs> that definitely says something about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what, let's stick with the theme. Can, can you share with us those Ronald Kelly titles? Yeah, totally. So um, one in my like top 10, loosely the 10 that I picked to go over on this list um, was Mr. Glowbones, which was a re-release <laughs> for last year. I mean, that book is about a skeleton that I'm pretty sure most of us had when we were kids. I, I know I did. I don't know if it was like something from my parents or or what, but the second he described what Mr. Glowbones looks like, I gasped out loud because I was just like, oh, I had one of those. <laughs> so it's just one of those stories where it kind of gets under your skin, pun intended, if you've read that book. Um, <laughs> and it, it just like, it's, it's creepy, but it's also kind of funny because like thinking about the whole plot is kind of bizarre but it just the writing it it sucks you in immediately and within two seconds like you know <laughs> you finished reading the book and you're just like wait what <laughs> where'd the book go um so definitely recommend that one um the other one on my list i can't pronounce it's the web of la sanguine sanguinaire nailed yep. it <laughs> I'm also like squinting and I'm not wearing my glasses, so I can't really see the word, but I wouldn't have pronounced that right anyway. Um, that one was a collection of arachnid horrors and I'm petrified of spiders. So I was like, this is such a bad idea, but here we go. <laughs> um, let's see. What's the other one I had? Uh, seasons Creepings, Tales of Holiday Horror. So you guys <laughs> all know one. how much I love my yep. holiday horror. <laughs> yep. Good one. Well, not only that, but, you know, we'll... Patrick and I will sing fierce praises to the heavens and back, but let's not forget that, you know, not only is Ronald Kelly a very good short story writer, but he kind of prides himself. Like that's his bread and butter. That's yeah. what he loves doing. Um, so those kind of little mini collections, uh, you know, I, I expect to see a lot more and pick up the ones you don't have. I have Mr. Glowbones. It's right up there somewhere. I have not gotten to it yet. Seasons Creepings is great. I've definitely read some of the La Sanguinaire st stories, you know, um, housewarming always comes to mind. I hate that one. Like in, in the, in the most loving of ways, I absolutely hate that story because <laughs> of what Ron does. But, uh, uh, you know, this, unless, unless Patrick has anything to add, I think this concludes the Ronald Kelly appreciation portion of the show. Yep. Go ahead, Brandon Picken. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to throw one out that I don't believe you guys have on your list. Um, Boys in the Valley by Philip Fricasse. And this is one, it came out from Earthling Publications in uh, October, right around Halloween. And it just in, you know, limited edition numbered hardcover. So 
I have a feeling we'll be seeing this in trade paperback, you know, at some point. Um, and I can't wait for more than, you know, 500 people or however many people they uh, opened the the hardcovers up to to get their hands on this. Uh, if I were going to number, you know, my books one through ten, I don't know if this would be one, but it'd be it'd be right next. It'd be knocking at that door. Um, yeah. It was a really wonderful. Uh, I call it coming of age. Takes place around the turn of the century in a, I believe, Catholic orphanage, if not Catholic, some sort of, you know, religious uh, orphanage where uh, the boys are raised by priests. And it is, you know, definitely taps into a little bit of possession horror, uh, demonic horror. It's, you know, it's terrifying. It's bloody when it needs to be without going overboard. Um, Philip has such this this beautiful prose. And I was so happy to see his collection uh, beneath the pale sky, get nominated for a stoker. Um, even if this one got passed over um, because he just, he writes so beautifully, but yet so accessibly. And it's just, you know, he went to town on this one. It is a fantastic novel and it's, it, it'll break you. Uh, so I can't wait again. I can't wait to see more people kind of get a chance to read that when the trade paperback eventually comes out. Nice. Uh, Eric, this turn, I think. Sure. Um, so next up on my loose <laughs> list of numbers, um, is dark blood comes from the feet by Emma J. Gibbon. Um, that was one of those books that unfortunately was on my list of like 500 and some odd requests that I had when I thought I turned my honest review request off. So I was really antsy to get into that one just from seeing the cover. I unfortunately don't have a paperback copy, so I can't show you guys right here, but definitely recommend looking up the cover. It's creepy. It's like this beautiful green color. It's really cool. Um, but that's another short story collection and it's really dark tales, but it's also like the dark horror that's going to make you feel a lot of different emotions while you're reading it, which was kind of a theme for me this year. Um, and same thing, like I picked this one up, I sat down, I read like most of it and I was like, oh my gosh, I got to go do other things. And I had to put it down and I picked it up again and finished it. So it's one of those collections where I wish I had paced myself better so I could like further digest the stories a little bit more. Cause a lot of them were like really like gut wrenching and <laughs> powerful. Um, and even though like some of it was like lighter horror, some of it was harder hitting. Um, a lot of it was very real world, even if it had some fantastical elements in it. And that's the type of horror that hits me harder than anything else. Cause you know, you can see it happening in real life. It's not like, you know, a vampire walking in the room here and having at it. But um, when I originally wrote my review for this book, I said, this one's going to haunt me. And then I put in quotes, I mean, I can't stop thinking about completing taxidermy on humans. So, and I will leave it at that for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a perfect place to leave it. <laughs> um, my next one is it's a limited edition. So I don't know if it's ever kind of come out, but Short Lane's Deal of the Hungry Snow. Uh, it's pretty damn short. Let's see. Got uh, 60 pages or so. Yeah. It came out through Death's Head Press. Um, it's, it takes, uh, let's see, the Reverend uh, is a character that Lansdale has wrote about in the past. 
So we're talking about a previous character that he's already written about, but it's pretty much this um, badass that has a horse and is in he's on a snow trail and he finds this group of people um, in a cave and things just go out of hand eventually. And I found myself like going back a few pages time and time again because the way he writes uh, the imagery, it's just it's so incredible. Um, I'm not even going to pretend to quote one because I'd fuck it up. But that's really it. It's short, sweet, really good. It's a punch in the gut. I loved it. Brennan, didn't you read that? I did. Yeah, and I loved it, too. Um, now, I, I think the chat book is probably over and done with um, from Death's Head Press. I don't remember if you mentioned that, but um, the I would imagine it's eventually going to find its way into a Lansdale collection or something. But yeah, the, I don't want to spoil anything, but the uh, let's say monster that makes an appearance in the story, the way he describes the visuals on yes. that is, you know, it, it's, it's a monster that you've read about before. Uh, maybe not all the time, but you've read about it before. You know what it looks like, but not like this. Um, really unique and original. Um, I, I, I dug it as I do with everything that Joe puts to page. <laughs> What's on your list right. next? So the next one I want to bring up, uh, you know, we, we were talking about Ronald Kelly earlier, and I mentioned that I am, you know, as big a fan of the man as I am of the work. And that's definitely true of this next person. Um, Almost Ruth by Tyler Jones. And Tyler has become one of my favorite writers uh, since discovering him last year. I read Criterium um, and I got an early copy of Almost Ruth. And, you know, he is a wonderful human being. And, you know, I almost feel like I'm insulting him by saying an even better writer. But, uh, you know, it, he's good at what he does. And he has such a human depth in his in his book. Like he just knows how to involve the reader in his characters. And Almost Ruth is probably the best example of anything I've read by him of doing that um, takes place uh, a common theme here takes place around the early 1900s. And um, it's mostly focusing on a husband and wife in a, in a strange little town. And, you know, it, it, it kind of comes down to the outside creeps are just the sideshow. It's the, it's it's the way that the people in the story kind of deal with these big decisions, the weight put on their shoulders that provides the the real horror. The you know when they when he sets up a scenario that you know makes the reader say, "Oh my gosh, what would I do were I in that position?" Um, it's it's a heavy book, but it's a it's a really beautiful one, and it's in my opinion the strongest thing he's written so far. Um, so, yeah, highly recommend Almost Ruth by Tyler Jones. Erica, throw me out, throw me out another one. Sure. Um, well, 
was talking about a minute ago. I just, I'm obsessed with holiday horror. I can't help it. So (laughs) Kevin J. Kennedy came out with another collection last year, um, the best of indie horror Christmas edition. So I saved that specifically to kick off my holiday reading. And I was so excited when I finally picked it up and the first story, and I hope i I'm getting this right because now I'm second guessing myself, but I believe the first story um, is Tradition by Steve Stred. And anytime you see his name, you know, you're going to get something like absolutely insane. So just not only be so excited about that collection, but then also to see Steve right first thing, I was just like, oh, yes. So um, from that collection, I just had three stories that I really wanted to call out specifically. The first one was Tradition um, by Steve Stred. The second one you like saying his name, don't you? I do. Yep. It just flows and it's what I can pronounce. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but now I'm going to shoot myself in the foot with the next one. It has a swear word in it and you guys know I don't swear. So uh, let the D word <laughs> elves die already by Veronica Smith. That story was hysterical and also like. Dick elves? <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Another word oh, for damn. darn. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. Uh, that, it was just so so funny, but I you also, dick too. Yeah, sorry. No, I should. Just I didn't know that you would censor yourself on damn. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, mm, sorry. <laughs> Pretty much anything that's even like close to a swear. Okay. I'm just like, oh. um, not about you now. Yeah, and then the last one was Santa Claus, and it's C L A W S by Patrick Ruman, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um killer stories but every time kevin j kennedy puts together a collection i'm i'm always on board i'm obsessed with the authors that he pulls from and if you guys haven't read any of those yet definitely recommend them um another just anthology but that's from kevin's publishing house kjk publishing he's definitely got it in for himself in in the publish in the uh not the publishing game the anthology game um, and, you know, shout out to Steve Stred because he got nominated for Stoker. I think one Stoker. He got his novel, um, Incarnate, uh, Splatterpunk, and he's a really nice guy. So, yeah, yeah he's got three things going for him right now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the alliteration last name. So that's Steve four. Stred. Yep. Uh, so the next one. Steve Holt. <laughs> the next one I'm picking is uh, Chuck Palahniuk. Consider this. It's a nonfiction book. Um, you might know this little known little little well-known fact that Paul Nick can write, he can he can uh, churn a yarn of fiction, but his nonfiction is so damn good. It's uh basically his tutorial on things you should consider as an author. That's what I love about the title. Consider this because it's not forceful, it's not like this is the only way. It says in the title, consider this option. Um, it's a way that may work for you. Some of them might, some of them might not. But basically, uh, if you listen, just Google or YouTube or whatever interviews with Chuck Palahniuk, just listen to him talk for a few minutes and you'll see why he is worth listening to. He's very smart, very in tune, and um, he's a damn good writer, uh, which funny enough, um, the last time, I think it was his second appearance on Joe Rogan's podcast, he said that he had a head trauma where he was on a bike. Uh, some guys randomly knocked him off, started, he could hear them. They were really wailing on him, kicking and punching him, saying 10 points, 15 points, whatever. And um, he ended up, Chuck ended up getting away, I believe. But he said before that injury, 
he it was day and night. He wasn't a very good writer. And then after that head trauma, it happens. I mean, some people get a head trauma and it, you're you're just done for the rest of your life. Or you become Chuck Palahniuk. <laughs> Brennan, uh, I want to hear your words on this. And and uh, I'm assuming that Eric hasn't read it, which is very rude of me. So, Eric, if you have read this, or if you just want to say Chuck Palahniuk, go ahead. <laughs> that, that is rude. Uh, no, this is another one that uh, absolutely made my list. Um, and I, I'm not, I don't think it was a 2021 release, but, you know, obviously we both dove into it to, prep for his episode. And, you know, I'll say that he was as excited as I know you were to talk to him. You know, this is an author that I've been reading for 20 years. Um, So to say that having him on was an absolute dream come true is, uh, you know, an understatement. With that said, I, this book was even better and more insightful than I anticipated. And I had high hopes for it. Um, It's, one of my very top, you know, uh, on writing books, I I would even say maybe it's number one. Um, it's just, it's got so much great stuff in it. And I am, and I don't think I've ever said this. I know, I know I've never said this, um, you know, on our, one of our shows before, but I am the very proud owner of a signed copy inscribed (laughs) to me from Chuck. That was the result of Easily one of the, oh, I hope my wife can't hear me. Uh, easily one of the most thoughtful uh, Christmas presents I've I've ever received from uh, a friend. So, you know, thank you, Patrick. Um, She's going to kill for me. Making that happen. To you. <laughs> she doesn't listen to this. Um, so, uh, you know, th- this is a, this is a wonderful book. And if you are thinking about writing, if you are a newer writer, if you are an older writer, if you're an experienced writer, this book has something for you. I almost guarantee it. Yeah, consider that. Erica, what, what you got? I unfortunately haven't read that book yet, but it sounds awesome. And me considering writing eventually one day. I think that's definitely something that I'll check out. because I, I don't like when authors, and this is such a stupid thing, but like, I've read a few books from different authors where they're like, you have to do this. You should do this. This is the best way to do it. And I'm just like, mm, but like not everybody's the same. So this yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So the, so would you say that you'll consider the book? Absolutely. Yeah. I'll add it to my little pile right here. I've got Fight Club and the two graphic <laughs> novels for Fight Club in there. So they're a little lonely. They need some more Chuck. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, I want to. I don't remember whose turn it is, but I'm going to jump in line. Um, I want to throw out Lily by Daniel Barnett. Um, This is the sixth book in his Nightmare Land series, which, you know, I have been talking about since the first one came out. Um, And he does such a wonderful job. Um, It's a post-apocalyptic, I don't even know if I'd go post-apocalyptic, uh, story that you know follows a few characters through uh, the end of the world, and I don't even want to tell you what the end of the world is like because I feel like that spoils book one. But suffice it to say, I you know I say this is one of the best horror series of all time, and I absolutely stand behind that book, movie, whatever medium you have. Like this is just a great, great series, and the way that Daniel's dividing it up um, is he's going to write up about 12 books, 
So the first six books he's calling like season one. So like this one that he just released, uh, I think it technically counts as a 2022 release, but I got to read it last year. Um, it kind of wraps up some plot threads, but there's still places to go. Uh, still mysteries to unravel. Um, and as great as the first five books in the series were, this one is just on another level. Um, it's heartbreaking. It's, uh, you know, the characters that he's fleshed out over the course of like seven or 800 pages, just you, you understand why every choice was made or, you know, up to this point, you understand it. Um, and it pays off. And, you know, this, this 450 page novel is just about as perfect a, you know, season finale as you could ask for. Um, you know, I can't wait to see where he's taking the rest of this series. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things where if you're not reading it, you, you have, you have to get on that. Um, and HBO and Netflix and whatever other streaming service are absolutely doing themselves a disservice by not producing some sort of like limited series of this work. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of books to plan out, man. 12 books. God damn. I know. I don't know how you do that. I don't know. Eric is there. That's <laughs> impressive. Um, let's see. Next up, I have one of the first books that I read for 2021. Almost forgot what year we're talking about. Um, In Darkness, Shadows Breathe by Catherine Cavendish. And that book came out from Flame Tree Tree Press, stuttering. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure we talked about that last year. Did we interview Catherine last year? We did not. Mm -mm. But you you may have mentioned it in What Are You Reading? (laughs) Mm, Probably. Um, Because I know I've mentioned the whole, like, your next quote. So... (laughs) I'll back up because now that's going to make no sense at all. Um, <laughs> the book is set in a hospital <laughs> and there are two storylines. Um, one is a woman and I didn't write that down. I should have, but there's one woman that's in a hospital um, and she's dealing with cancer. So trigger warning for that. If that's something that you struggle with, definitely skip this book. Cause it, it doesn't shy away from kind of the brutal bits of what's going on there. Um, but I'm not a fan of hospitals to begin with. And I actually just had surgery a couple of weeks ago and like, I've still got the bruise on my hand from the IV. And the entire time I was in there, I was just like sitting there being like, if somebody whispers you're next, I'm going to scream and pee my pants. And I was just panicked. And I was just like, Erica, it was a fiction book. It's okay. You read it at the beginning of 2021. It's now the beginning of 2022. And you're still thinking about that one line. So I don't want to give too much else away other than that, but there's like some nightmare scenes and it's really freaking creepy. <laughs> Definitely recommended. I mean, what better recommendation is there than it's you read that at the beginning of 2021 and it's still impacting you, you know, in your everyday life, <laughs> uh, you know, all this time later. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. That was a really great one. And, you know, I, I worried at first because it's like you, there are so many ways to go wrong with a book that deals in multiple timelines, but I thought she nailed it. That's a good one. Sure. Also, Flame Tree shirt. <laughs> yeah, she's yes. wearing that. Nice. It's from the live and spooky event. I keep trying to like 
pop up so you can see it, but I'm standing at my desk, so I'm too short. (laughs) (laughs) My next one is Richard Shizmar's Chasing the Boogeyman, which, you know, uh, no knock to any of the contenders, but the fact that that wasn't on the ballot or whatever preliminaries for the Stoke reward, I don't get it. It's crazy to me. Yeah, baffling. It's very surprising due to not only the amount of people, but the big names that supported this, Stephen King being one of them. Um, It's a phenomenal book. It's about... (laughs) so weird to explain this way, but it's it's like explaining the Matrix. So Richard Shizmar wrote it about Richard Shizmar, who is, uh, when he was in college, only... It's like based on his life, but like there's fictional events in there about a serial killer. And it's just, it's so interwoven and he's so open about what's fictional. I mean, what's non-fictional that it's hard to tell like where the story veers into pretend. Um, It he pretty much made his own subgenre of crime and horror. Um, that's all I got to say on it. It's phenomenal. Uh, I would read it. The quote by King on the cover, the blurb, is uh, genuinely chilling. It's something brand new and exciting, compulsive reading, and scary. All that is true. Like, seriously, think about it. Erica talked about realistic horror. Like, this is about a, a serial killer that brutally kills teenage girls. And even as a man, like that's terrifying because anyone that can do shit like that is, uh, I don't want to be in the same room as those people. Someone else take the mic. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that was definitely a, a fantastic book this year. I agree with you. That was definitely an oversight as far as, you know, awards consideration goes. Um, the blending of fiction and nonfiction, plus the fact that, Chismar is already pretty good at writing about more than pretty good. He's, he's great at writing about, you know, small town um, stuff, which is, you know, one of the big reasons why that Gwendy series works that he uh, has, has worked on with King. Um, But for him to kind of uh, wrap up his own hometown in it, um, it it was, it was something special. It was something, you know, even, accepting everything else, you know, it needs the attention for just, you know, how unique it is, how different it is than any other release you would have seen this year. Um, you know, we, we had him on sometime last year and it was us about, it was us saying, Hey, that sounds cool. going to have him on again next week. And the overlying theme is going to be, Hey, that was cool. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Hey, you did pull that off. Good job. Uh, hey, so I, can can't, I can't wait to, you can listen to that episode because this is two two episodes after that one. Just a reminder, because it might get confusing to the people recording it. So, so I mean, I I'm looking forward to having that conversation in the past or the future or however this works. <laughs> I don't know what to follow that up with. I will completely disregard it and I'll throw out another one. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to throw out one that uh, I see on your pile back there. Uh, we're going to do razor blade tears. And you know, if uh, 
Philip Fricassi's Boys in the Valley was competing for number one. This is the book it's competing with. Mm-hmm. Um, S.A. Cosby, you know, caught a lot of attention for uh, Blacktop Wasteland last year and well-deserved because that was a yes. freaking awesome book. Um, and in my humble opinion, Razorblade Tears is better. Um, they're different books, so, you know, different strokes and all that, but um, the everything about this book just absolutely worked for me you know the emotion the characters the relationships uh the violence uh cosby's trademark having people who say racist things get their teeth knocked down their throat you know feels good nowadays um the you know if if you can get through this book without you know building up a tear at the corner of your eye congratulations you're not human you're not reading the right way like this is this is an emotional book uh, it hits, it, it, it punches you right in the gut. Um, and it was just, he's such a writer. He's just such an unbelievable writer. Um, I, I just, I can't wait for the next thing he comes out with. Same here. Yeah, it was really good. The action in it was amazing too. Erica, what do you have next? <laughs> Sorry, I was just like thinking of like six different things I wanted to say, and I ended up just like blinking and staring at the screen. (laughs) (laughs) I still haven't read any of his work. I just looked over my shoulder. I have Blacktop Wasteland and Razorblade Tears. I haven't read either of them. So hopefully this year (laughs) I will change that. Um, My next pick is Blind Rage by Nick Clausen. And this is a self-published book as of right now. Um, I'm not sure if he's getting a publisher for this, Um, but that's the author of the Dead Meat series that I talked about last year, the zombie series that I'm absolutely obsessed with. Um, That series wrapped up last year, very sad. Um, But this is a new series. It's called Under the Breaking Sky. Um, And a little bit of a similar thought to the Don't Look Up movie, if you guys have seen that yet. Um, But basically something happens in the sky and anyone that looks up kind of, goes crazy. So just again, my like real world reaction to that, I finished reading that book and then I had to go drive and run an errand. And I saw people setting up their Christmas lights and they were looking up and I was like, you idiots don't look up. And I was like, that was a book. (laughs) Um, So just usual Nick Clausen. Um, It's action packed, but it's also absolutely brutal. And I always find it so interesting because I've seen on Amazon, some of his work is labeled YA. And I know that like kind of steers people away sometimes because they're just like, oh, it's YA. It's not going to be that intense. His books are intense. So definitely keep an eye out on that one. Um, and like Brennan, you were saying earlier, this book really makes you question what you would do if you were in their shoes. Um, I know I personally, my uh, curiosity is way too strong. I would have definitely been one of those people that looked up and unfortunately went crazy and turned into a little bit of a zombie. So <laughs> not good for me, but that As definitely one does. Yeah. It was just so good. So definitely recommend that book too. Patrick, I believe it's your turn. All right. Well, also got left is uh, Coco. But when it comes to Blue Rose Trilogy, and I'll get to that in a minute, Coco for me is very special. Brennan already pointed it out. Um, It kind of just opened up a floodgate for a few things as a reader. just basically witnessing a story breathe, as I said earlier, and expand into so many different 
curves and paths that all connect, and I didn't see them connecting. Um, and as a writer, it got me into his more of his work, and it actually inspired. Uh, I'm not going into any detail about this beyond. It got me inspired to work on my own uh, trilogy. And the thing that I love about this is Coco, book one. Uh, Mystery is book two. And book three is The Throat. They are not a trilogy in the traditional sense. And that's what I love about it. They are connected, but not traditionally. Um, Got me inspired for my own thing, which now I'm writing about two members of my family um, who are no longer here, which I never would have even thought of that unless it was for Coco. So it's got a very special place in my heart. And Peter is a very nice person. uh, So kind of makes you, once you get to meet someone and they're awesome, kind of makes you love them more. So what, what I would add to that one is I feel like, Coco, uh, in my eyes, is one of the best things about storytelling because I read that book and I enjoyed it. Um, I liked it, dug it. Um, But I don't even think that the way I appreciated it is on the same plane as the way you did. And I think it's just such a nice example of the way, how personal storytelling can be, the way that somebody can read a book and say, cool. Now I'm going to read the next one. And somebody else, you know, can read that exact same story, the exact same print on the exact same pages, and it impacts their life. It, it changes, you know, because I, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that that, you know, if you had a list of all-time stories, Coco is on it. You know, Coco is might in be, that top tier of one. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's impacted the way you look at stories, the way you read stories, the way you write stories. Whereas for me, again, it just it just hit me as, hey, this is a good story. Cool. Now I'm going to pick up another book. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and that's absolutely no shade on the story or on Peter Straub, who is a, like you said, a wonderful human being. Um, it's just it it hit you the right way at the right time. And that's the absolute best of what story what good storytelling can do in my opinion yeah you know the crazy part uh tara and i my wife and i went to washington dc a few years ago and uh i saw this huge group of teachers with older vets when i say older vets um let's see i guess the oldest war that i was aware of was korea korean war which is what my grandfather was in um, at one of my grandfathers that I was close with was in that war. And he, you know, he discussed, I don't know, probably in his nineties, he's in a wheelchair all the way to Vietnam war vets. Um, they were all older, older men. And me and my wife were walking along the Vietnam Memorial wall. And uh, I don't know if I would have reacted this way if all these pieces weren't placed just right, I already have a tremendous amount of respect for veterans 
And then, and teachers too, because both run in my family. So that's my personal connection to them. And um, see these old men looking at a wall, trying to find, think about it, man. I say, man, I'm talking to both of you. Um, trying to find the name of their brother or brothers in arms who, guess what? They were like probably 18 or 19. That's the last time they remember them. They died. So much shit has happened over the last uh, 40, 50 years since that war. And they're old men. They lived their whole life. And their brothers never did. They died in, in hell, hell on earth. And <laughs> I lost it. I bawled maybe not even halfway walking on that wall. And in Coco, in the beginning, that's that's where they are. They're at the wall looking for the brother. I think all that connected was why it hit me so hard. Plus, Peter's a damn good writer. So uh, that's probably what did it for me. Mm. Follow that up, Eric. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. But seriously, Lighten the mood, up. please, Erica. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I don't see Never quick commercial break. It, it, it's it's horror. Yeah. How much can you uh can you lighten it really? Yep. Well, I've got another one where emotions come into play while you're reading. Um, The Sound of Breaking Glass by Christine Makepeace. It's another horror novella short story collection. Um, it's from the Son of Land Press. Um, and this one, I just I I had never heard of Christine before. So this was like a brand new to me author. And I was super excited. I was just like, oh, sweet. Again, short story collections. I love them, especially still while we're in the world of COVID, my attention span is just not great. So I've had more luck reading short stories and anthologies than I have like full length books. So it's probably why most of the books behind me are just still sitting on the shelf. Um, but it's, a, again, another story about, like, reality and emotion and various situations that you run into just in your everyday life and how that is traumatic and horrific in its own way. Um, so it centers around the loss and, like, feeling stuck for most of the stories. Um, and it's really going to push readers to think while they're reading. And I really, really like that. Um I would definitely put this one in the horror genre, but there are definitely a lot of different undertones in it as well. So I started listing them out when I started reviewing this book and then I stopped because I was like, this is impossible. There are so many different things going on here. She did a killer job. Um, and two stories that I just wanted to call out. Um, one was titled Magic Hour. And then the second one was If You're Looking For It, It's Not Here. So check that one out when you guys have a minute. That's a cool title. I like phrases for titles. Yeah. All right. So I uh, I don't know where you guys are at, but I've got two more titles that I want to throw out in detail. But I also, like I said, wrote down a bunch anticipating that we'd have some doubles. So I'm going to shout out a couple uh, really quickly, and then I'm going to go into my main two. Uh, Heart Strange and Dreadful by Tim McGregor was such a cool off-limits release. Yeah, um, and I love that book. And then I found out that he based his main character off Maddie from True Grit. And I loved it even more. Oh, um, I, didn't, that, I didn't know that. You were on that interview when we talked to him. Uh, that's embarrassing for you. Was I? Um, you were. Um, <laughs> Physically. In, in body, at least. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely one I would advise people check out. Go Down Hard by Ali C. 
is such a great example of what novellas can do. It's fast. It's furious. It doesn't have Vin Diesel. Um, but it just, it, it just absolutely fucking tears through the story. Um, and it's, it's such a cool novella. Um, night. I don't have a lot of collections, uh, on my, on my list this year, but I'm going to throw out nightmare yearnings by Eric Raglan. Um, Really, really great example of, you know, uh, very consistent short story collection. Um, that dude just knows how to write short stories. He's just very, very good at that medium. Uh, granted, I've never written, I've never read anything long form by him, but, you know, he's just somebody unlike myself who understands how to write that medium. Um, Rosemary's Baby by Ira Levin is something that, you know, I read that twice this year and it just, you know, it's, (laughs) it's funny. It's such a great book. It really is. You know, it was one of those where I enjoyed it the first time and I loved it the second time. And I know I'm probably going to end up reading that at least a third or fourth time. Uh, Ghoul in the Cape by Josh Mallerman is a 750 page, you know, absolute just I don't even know how to describe it. You can't put it into a word. It's just, it's, it's a blast. Um, he had fun writing it and you know, you know, you know that when you're reading it, uh, it's how somebody writes a 750 page book that doesn't get boring for a second is beyond me. Uh, and the last one I'll throw out in brief is Waif by Samantha Koyesnik um, was, you know, a, an admirable follow-up to true crime that, you know, it, it, it breathes the bold, the brutal, the uncomfortable. Uh, it's, it's amazing how she wrote such a different book that still manages to affect the reader in, you know, I don't want to say the same ways, but, you know, um, in a lot of like uncomfortable ways, it's not something you can read and be like, I feel good about this. (laughs) Um, all right. So in more detail, uh, I want to talk about a book called Kill Creek by Scott Thomas. Um, this is, I don't remember when it came out, but it's at least a few years old. And uh, I was doing a giveaway for Slattery Falls and I asked people, what's your favorite haunted house story? And this one just kept coming up. And I said, well, I can't not read it. You know, I have to read it. And it is every bit as good as the like, you know, 500 people who suggested it uh, said it would be. Uh, it follows four authors from like different subgenres of horror who basically uh, do an interview at a reputedly haunted house and, you know, the absolute shitstorm that goes from there. But it's, you know, the characterization is top notch. Uh, it's scary as hell. There's like, you know, a lot of scenes that, like Erica said, uh, you know, a couple of books she pointed out where she read them and then like all this time later, like it's affecting her in her everyday real life. There's there's scenes in there that like I think about when I'm not, you know, uh, making an effort to think about them. It's just it's a great haunted house book and I love haunted house books. So that was, you know, definitely a, a consideration for top read for this year. Yeah, I know that Shane Douglas Keene and Richard. um Wow, what's his last name? Rich Duncan. Rich Duncan, thank you. Nobody has ever called him Richard Duncan. That's why I think I screwed myself up Rich Duncan at Inc. Because they, they, that's where I first heard of it. It sounds yep. like a really good book. Oh, it's excellent, man. 
Erica, do you mind? Do you mind if I jump in and then you go last? Or did I cut you off, Brian? I was just gonna say I just went for like five minutes, so somebody else go, please. I just wanted to list uh, two more books and then I'll throw it to Erica, and then we can uh, about wrap it up. Uh, the two books that I also want to talk about is uh, Jordan Harper's She Rides Shotgun. What drew me to that was uh, S.A. Cosby. He tends to um, say, hey, read this or talk to this author, and, and you're going to nine out of ten times like it or love it. Um, jo- uh, Jordan Harper's She Rides Shotgun. It's just action-packed. It's just fucking nuts. That's all I'm going to say. It's it's an incredible book uh then we got catrian award um the last house on needless street it's a crime book unlike any i've read ever um i'm not sure if i'm ever gonna read a book even close to the one that this is i mean it does stuff similar to man i want to say why but i can't it would ruin it um it does it, it acts similarly to predecessors but the reasons i really can't say why without ruining it it's it's have you ever written a harder review than the last house on needless street <laughs> yeah it was like walking a, a really tight a tight yeah. rope um no i'm not sure <laughs> burnt offerings is another book i'd want to throw out there it's a really good book that connected the bridge between um, ghost stories before Stephen King and The Shining. Um, It's pretty underrated. And the author kind of just dropped off the radar forever after that, too, which was weird. Uh, Erica, take it away. Sure. Well, I've got a couple that I would like to list off as well. I thought for sure you guys are going to have them on your list, but you probably thought I was going to bring them up, too. Let's see. So we've got All Things Deadly, Salem Stories by E.C. Hansen. That was another uh, novella. I believe that was a short story collection. Yep. Short story collection. Um, just killer stories. Um, let's see. Once Upon a Fang by John Dover. That was a Western splatter punk. And my only note that I wrote down for that was a splatter, splatter and Western with vampires. So have at it what you will with that comment. Um Another short story collection, Everything's Annoying, a collection of dark fiction and horror by J.C. Michael. That one had some nice humor in it that made me chuckle, and I really needed it when I picked up that book. So thank you to J.C. (laughs) for that. Um, The Gulp by Alan Baxter. Again, short story collection. And he's got the second one, I believe, coming out this year. The fall, yes. April. Yep. So it's going to be great. Uh, Anoka by Shane Hawk. Another short story collection. That one was also amazing. Troll. Nope. He, he's um, a troll. <laughs> <laughs> he's a hoot. Um, yes, he is. <laughs> he's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I'm never going to forget the interview with, that we were doing with him where his screen kept getting darker and darker and all you could see was like bright Lipstick. red. Bright <laughs> so unprofessional. <laughs> It was so good. Difficult. Like I said, I stick with difficult. (laughs) Um, And then the last shout out before I have one that I can talk about more in depth um, is Cruel Summer by Wesley Southern. That was the 
I think the second book I read for 2021. And that one was just so much fun. Wesley always has good characters, great pacing, great plots. So definitely check that one out too. Um, and then the last cool. one I had, oh, sorry, I talked over you. No, I, I cut you off. I said the cover's really cool for Cruel Summer. Mm. Yeah, it's a beautiful merman. <laughs> Alex um, McVeigh. Oh, is it? I it is. It is Alex. It is an Alex McVeigh cover. Makes sense. He's a really good artist. Love it. Um, and then my last one, just full disclosure, I was involved with reading through this and giving content warnings, and then an interview of mine was also included. But I tried to like keep that aside before I picked it, and just another short story collection, but Blackberry Blood by Aiden Merchant and Julia Lewis which Brennan's got a beautiful story in there. Yep. <laughs> and there's the cover, but yeah, no more cover. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Um, that was just, again, a, a really good collection. I love that Aiden typically has like the short stories and the poetry all mixed in to one. I think it's fun just to kind of break things up a little bit. Um, the variety. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just, again, the cover is so cool. I love Gemma's covers so much. Every time I see her, like, working on something, I can't wait to see the final version. So when I found out she was doing the copy, the cover for this book, I was just extra excited about it. But yeah, that is. I'm embarrassed one. to say I haven't read that. But um, if, if I'm honest, I haven't read any of the anthologies I'm in because I, you know, I'm not going to review them. So. <laughs> Um, but you know, I was, I was very, you know, pleased to be selected in there and be in there with people like Janine pipe and, you know, Scott Cole and, um, uh, Daniel Barnett, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, it's a really cool anthology and Aiden's a good dude. I really like Aiden a lot. Yeah. Agreed. So we're hitting, I don't know at this point after editing everything. All right, hold on. I got one more to throw out. And then, oh, then, then he's still talking. I know. I know. Well, I told you I had two more and then I only uh, talked about one uh, and bad. then ten more. Um, <laughs> so the last one I want to throw out is uh, one that I know Patrick enjoyed as well. And that is uh, Walking Through Needles by Heather Levy. Oh, and yes. I meant to bring that up. Good point. This is one that, you know, when I was reading, it's a difficult book. Um, and I struggled through it a little bit. And honestly, the more time that has gone by since I finished it, the more I love it. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's such a bold debut novel. Um, fearless is I think the word that keeps getting thrown out. And Heather is a, you know, a, a terrific person and a terrific author. And it's not necessarily in the realm of horror, or crime. I don't even know how I'd classify this book, but it is twisted. It is dark. Um, the characters are completely and utterly three-dimensional and they carry the story. Um, and again, if you check out the book and you struggle through it, struggle through it, you know, get to the end of it. Cause it is very, very much worth your time. Yeah. Uh... Patrick, did you, I was just going to say it's really ballsy and I was trying to make a joke, but it's seriously a really good book. Um, that's all I have to say about it, man. It's it's definitely worth checking out and I'm excited to see what she's going to come up with next. Yeah. So this uh, has been probably close to two hours at this point. We've talked uh, a lot longer than I thought we would, but uh, Brendan kind of called it and 
good job on that, buddy. Glad we make a bet. Um, so for those that might be listening to this as their first episode, welcome. Um, those returning, thank you. Uh, we just want to say we are excited to see what the rest of the season brings. We have some really big names lined up. Um, and if you haven't listened to episode one with Richard Chismar for this season, check it out. Well, I don't, it's not an episode one. It's episode 129, followed by Ross Jeffrey, um, fellow podcaster and author. So check those out. We got some really fun guests lined up for next month. Um, I have what are you reading, but we just talked about that for like an hour and a half. So that that doesn't even apply here. It's a little repetitive at this point. <laughs> if you're unfamiliar, check out our website. It's deadheadspace.com. We have reviews, articles by guests, and we also have a store where you can buy some uh, Dead Headspace merch. You can get my ugly mug on a coffee mug or a t-shirt or other shit like that. Check it out. And uh, now's the time we ask about final thoughts. So, Erica, do you have any final thoughts? Just wanted to thank you guys for inviting me back to do this episode again this year. I, I always have so much fun just looking <laughs> back at the books that I read for the year to justify why I should talk about them on your show. So, thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Uh, Brennan, any final thoughts? Yeah, you know, I mentioned to both you guys earlier, I said I had a shitty day. Um, and this is, this is what I look forward to. This is why we do this show. This is what, well, this is why I do the show. I can't speak <laughs> for, for anybody else, but, uh, it, it, you know, I'm coming on with, you know, two really wonderful people who I love and appreciate. And I'm talking all the great books that I read in the last 12 months. Uh, you know, what could be better? You know, what, what else takes a crappy day and completely puts it on the back burner than talking with good friends about good books. Amen to that. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll end with this. You got my interest in podcasts. Thank you for picking us.